$1,000 on Monday and give it all away on Tuesday and then on Wednesday ask the state to help you pay for care. That's not fair. That's not why the program was set up. Welcome to the Wealth Law Podcast. I am Brent Nelson and I am joined again, per by Rachel Sass. Rachel, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? You know, I'm doing well other than the scorching heat, which I am very much over. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. I, I went about a week of it and I'm already done. It's bad. I went outside today, actually, like right around noon where it's like the peak and I felt my skin just crisping. I'm like, how do people do this? I, I like sitting in my little cave in my 75 degree house all day long and not really go out until about 8 PM every night. Yeah. I'm very soft. I can't <laughs> handle it anymore. When, when I was uh, a teenager, my job was to work on the date farm in Yuma in the summertime. Oh, gosh. So I was spending all day long outside in the scorching heat every day during the summer, and I could handle it then. Now, I'm like you. I'm out there for five minutes. I'm like, um, no, thank you. This is not... <laughs> Well, I've grown accustomed to. I've grown accustomed to the temperature every day of the year, regardless of the uh, what's going on outside, is 75 every day, 75. Mm -hmm. Oh man, I guess if you just want to feel like a, a little bit grateful that we're we're only at 115, right? I guess just go to Yuma for a day, right, and see what 120 feels like you know, somewhere around there, and then then yes. you come back to 115. You're like, oh, this is nothing. I think uh, I think I saw uh, in their weather report they're having a day this week. That is going to be 118. Jeez. So not quite 120, but pretty pretty close. <laughs> that's, that's pretty miserable. Yeah, yeah. I I hope everyone has a really good AC in Yuma. Yeah, you you don't live there without one. <laughs> yeah. You don't live there comfortably without one, I should say. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of comforting things, I thought that today we would talk about Medicaid and long-term care planning. Uh, which is a very ubiquitous and important topic. Uh, it's not one that we personally deal with a ton in our practice, but there are so many people uh, who are great practitioners who do deal with it. And it's an incredibly useful and important skill to have that I just I have so much admiration for people who do have it. Uh, so I thought it'd be a really interesting topic to talk about today for that purpose then. Uh, I'm really glad that we're joined by Emily Kyle. Emily is an attorney at Kyle Law Firm in in Phoenix, uh, somebody that I know and admire, and I just really can't thank you enough, Emily, for joining us. Well, thank you both so much for having me today. I'm excited to talk about this topic. It's incredibly complicated and confusing, um, but I feel good about the work I do. We put a net under folks when they don't quite have enough finances to pay for long-term care. So, you know, my husband's in construction, and I'll say to him at the end of the day, how was your day? And he'll say, oh, this pipe broke or this guy didn't show up or it was 115 degrees outside. And I say, oh, I met this really nice couple and I figured out a way to make sure that she doesn't go broke now that her husband has dementia. And he's like, oh, OK. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I just feel I feel good about what we do, that we can help people in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for the few people in the world who do not know who you are, why don't you at least uh, provide your high-level CV? That's very kind of you. So, yeah, we do. We have an office in Scottsdale. I've been practicing since 1993. Um, I originally started in Illinois, and that license is currently on hold since I'm here and can't imagine I'm going to go back anytime soon. And uh, um, I've been blessed with a great team 
that help support me. And we do guardianships and conservatorships, special needs planning. Um, and then, of course, we do Altex long-term care planning. And we do estate planning, but not like you do estate planning. So we don't do any any tax planning and that's sort of outside of our scope. So I'm really, like I said, I'm happy to be here today and help people kind of understand things to look for, what the landmines are, what things to look out for, what's the right kind of client or person who uh, might benefit from all tax planning. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And uh, just because we do different types of estate planning does not make one of the one or the other more important. Uh, as I like to tell my clients, uh, regardless of how much money they have, uh, they need to do their basic plan, and then I usually follow that up with, when I say basic, I don't mean unimportant. It's actually the most important part. Everything else builds off of it, and like having those building blocks in place is just critical. Yeah, the law doesn't really care how much money you have because it's basically about your body and mind, and, and everybody has a body and mind equally. Yeah, I tell people all the time, you know, that the healthcare power of attorney, the living will, those are probably the most important documents that mm -hmm. you have, even though they might be short, um, because that's about how do we take care of you, and who's going to take care of you, and where do you want to be when you can't take care of yourself anymore? And most of the time, you don't want to just rely on the default in the statute, or have somebody go to court and spend a whole bunch of your money to end up where maybe you didn't want to be in the first place. So everything else, where your stuff goes when you die is much less important than how we take care of you when you're alive. Absolutely. I completely agree. We always tell our clients it's, you know, estate planning, you're not there for it. You're gone. So you don't really know, like you, you hope everything goes as planned, but you're not really there. When you're alive, you can still come back. You, you still may understand kind of what's going on a little bit. So it's, it's absolutely critical that you do that piece for your lifetime. Well, let's give at least a little bit of context. You you mentioned a few things, uh, special needs planning and Altex planning. So uh, people might not be too familiar with the acronym Altex. So maybe break that down just a little bit so we, we get some context. Certainly. So Altex, the acronym stands for the Arizona Long-Term Care System. So A-L-T-C-S. If people are looking that up or going to Google it on their computers while we're chatting and see what that's all about. So every state has a different Medicaid program. All the states run their own programs. Um, the federal government kind of gives some minimum guidelines, but then each state does its own thing. So if you're talking to your grandmother or your aunt or your uncle or your sister or your brother or whomever in a different state, they might have completely different rules to what we do in Arizona. And it's really important to make sure you're getting advice in the state in which the person's residing and who might need those long-term care benefits because they are so different between the states. The other thing I think is that people think that their Medicare benefit is going to cover them when they need, you know, to stay in an assisted living or be in a memory care unit. And it doesn't. You know, Medicare is fantastic insurance, but it's health insurance. It's to get you better. And Medicaid or Altex is really for that custodial care piece where maybe you're going to have a caregiver come in for a certain number of hours a day. Or, as I said, you need to be in an assisted living center or in a group home for care. So understanding the state requirements is important and understanding what the benefits are, because 
different states have also different benefits. I mean, in Arizona, I think we have probably one of the best programs in the country. Eligibility is really hard, um, but Altex may cover up to 30 or 40 hours of in-home care. You don't have to go somewhere in order to get some help from the state. So, you know, you got to meet the criteria and then understand what that benefit is going to get you in the end. The benefits are different or the eligibility is different if you're married or you're a single person. Um, There are some exceptions to the rules if you have disabled children that we can have some more flexibility maybe in doing that planning. Um, And people should start thinking about it or have some understanding early. We might not want to plan. We might not do anything right away. We might not apply right away, but we don't want to wait until you're down to your last $5,000 and then you come in and say, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to pay for next month's care for my loved one. So um, it's a great program, but you really need to understand the ins and the outs, eligibility, as well as what you're going to get if you go down that road. Well, let's break that down even, even a little bit more granularly then. You mentioned a few different programs. So I think most people are pretty com- pretty comfortable with Medicare. They understand what that is. And I think there's a lot of people in their early 60s who kind of have like a day circled on the calendar, so to speak, thinking about like the day that they qualify for Medicare. Uh, but Medicaid is not necessarily something that everybody is is keyed in on. So what are what are the requirements that what how's it structured? How do people qualify? Yeah. Uh, you know, and I wish that Medicare and Medicaid didn't sound so much alike, just like it's I wish that yeah. it is very <laughs> confusing. And I also often think the same thing about the fact that we have living wills, which are for end of life decisions. And we have last will and testaments, which are for where your stuff goes when you die and who's in charge. And so people, you know, they call the office and they say, I need a living will. And I'm thinking, are you on hospice benefits? Like, why is that the priority of what it is that you need right now? When what they really are talking about is it's time for me to do some estate planning and I might need a last will and testament. I think the same thing happens in this Medicare, Medicaid space is that people say, you know, I need Medicare or I need Medicaid. And what they mean is the other thing. So as you mentioned, Brent, you know, for Medicare benefits, I think people are very familiar. We're all sort of hoping to get there in time and be able to get our Medicare benefits. Um, And you get those when you've paid enough into the system or you have end stage renal disease and you qualify for Medicare benefits. And that's going to cover, you know, obviously your, your basic medical needs, your hospitalizations, potentially your prescription drugs. And then if somebody ended up in a hospital and then needed rehab, then Medicare, again, is going to pick up some of those rehabilitation expenses for physical therapy or occupational therapy or speech therapy. And all of that's under the umbrella of Medicare. And then separate from that, we have Medicaid benefits which are welfare benefits. So it's not as if you worked enough or your spouse worked enough and you got to a certain age and now you're just eligible. It has eligibility criteria based on income assets and your medical ability, your your ability to care for yourself. And on top of that being confusing enough, we have like 13 different access programs, which are our umbrella of Medicaid. So Most of the health insurance that's Medicaid related is because maybe somebody didn't work enough and they're getting some minimal benefits from Social Security called um, SSI or Supplemental Security Income. And so that's the health insurance that they're receiving, which is they don't have any co-pays, they don't have any premiums. 
They're just getting their Medicaid health insurance benefits. Um, sometimes we have children who are receiving Medicaid benefits health insurance because their parents don't make enough money to be able to afford insurance. And so the kids end up on those kinds of benefits. But for today's um, program, we're really focusing on the long-term care piece, which luckily has its own name. And as I said, everybody loves acronyms. So that's our Altex program. Um, you know, in California, they call that Medi-Cal. And in almost every other state, it's just called long-term Medicaid. So it's super simple in lots of other states where you're like, oh, that makes sense. It's long-term Medicaid. I get that. Not in Arizona. We were, I think, the last state to decide that we were going to cover long-term care services. So we had to be super special and come up with our own name for our own program. Naturally. Yeah, naturally. <laughs> of course. I think one of the other hallmarks of our long-term Medicaid program is it is an HMO kind of a program. It's a managed care program. And so for somebody who's going to qualify for the long-term care piece, they're going to have to be really cognizant that if they're going to be placed somewhere or they're going to get home care, that they're going to have to work with an entity that has a contract with the state of Arizona. So there are some limiting factors. As I said, it is a welfare program, but I don't want people to be afraid of that because it's not like it's a place that's run by the state or a home care agency that's owned by the state of Arizona. So maybe if it's a group home with 10 residents, maybe one or two are on Altex. The other people are all paying privately or have long-term care insurance. So still a private entity that's providing care. The caregivers don't have any idea what the payment source is. So everybody gets the same care. Definitely something that people should think about um, because we don't want them to pick their favorite place only to find out that, well, it doesn't take all text, so they can't go there. There's no added network benefit as you might get with a traditional PPO or an HMO. That's a really I, important distinction to make. Yeah, absolutely. And and there's, uh, I, I agree, there's, a, there's sort of a, this misconception of like, you're on state uh, care. It's only state care because the state is the one writing the check. Just exactly. like if your family was writing the check, it's just the state is standing in their shoes writing that check on the on your and your and the family's behalf. Yeah, and it's it's basically the same as a, a, any insurance program, right? If you had long-term care insurance, you're submitting your invoices, and the long-term care insurance company is then either reimbursing you or paying directly to that care facility. And and that's how Altex works. They actually contract with what we call program contractors. And those program contractors negotiate the rates with the facilities or the home care agencies to provide the services. And one of the other things about Altex is it is a cost sharing arrangement. So traditionally, especially for a, an individual, an unmarried person, they're going to pay part of their income to that community. People always say to me, well, I don't want to give my money to the state. And my answer is, well, you're not only not giving your money to the state, the state is giving money to take care of you. You're getting money from the state. So you're paying some of your income to the care facility that's taking care of you. And then the state of Arizona is paying the difference based on whatever their contracted rate was for that particular facility or, the, or with that particular home care agency. So you're not paying the state. They're they're doing their part in taking care of you when you don't have enough money to take care of yourself. Now, you mentioned the, the income limits, that you have certain income limits to be eligible for all tax. I assume that changes every single year. Um, so what can you give us rough numbers on what that looks like? Sure. So as I was saying before, there are three basic criteria other than you have to be in the country legally. 
in order to get benefits. So the three criteria are, are basically you have to medically qualify, and that means that you can't perform your normal activities of daily living for yourself. You need what they call an institutional level of care, which isn't quite exactly what it means, but it does mean that you need a lot of help. Um, and then there's an asset limit, and then there's an income limit. So the income limit for this year is approximately $2,382 a month of income. And the income means um, social security, some of the veterans benefits programs and pensions that you might receive, but we don't really count income as the required minimum distributions from your retirement account because you're not going to have that retirement account anymore if you qualify for all tax benefits because the asset limit for an individual person is only $2,000. You don't have that retirement account distribution going on anymore. So Altex is really looking at income from third-party sources. And I want to be really clear that when a couple applies, the income of the spouse who doesn't need care, we have to disclose that person's income, but that they'll always get to keep 100% of their income. So sometimes we actually still have a working spouse or a spouse who has a really good income stream from pension and social security. And their concern is, you know, am I going to have to contribute all of this um, to the care facility because I still need enough money where, you know, I got to meet my own needs and pay my own expenses. And so the well spouse's income matters, but it they get to keep all of their income. If they have low income and their spouse who needs care has high income, well, they're going to get to keep some of their spouse's income to bring them up to what the state thinks is a minimum amount that they need to live on. So we have to look at both of them and then figure out what are we doing and what's going to count and what doesn't count and who gets to keep which pots of money. But you shouldn't be afraid to apply or think about applying if you're the higher wage earner and your spouse is the one who needs care. So does the t does the state, and when I say state, I mean Arizona, uh, with the, the big caveat that this is going to be different depending on where people actually reside. But does the state take into consideration community property when they're making those calculations? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. And the state doesn't really care. If you're married, you're married. And so whether you think of it as your sole and separate property, whether you've always held it in your own name, whether you inherited it from your favorite aunt, if it's money in the bank and and in any account, really, that's for the benefit of either spouse or in a trust of which the either spouse is a beneficiary, then that money is counted money generally. We have some exclusions for a married couple, a house that's in a trust counts completely, but a house that's not in a trust doesn't count regardless of its value. If we have a single person, then we have a limit on what the, the equity value of that house can be. It's pretty high. I think it's around $600,000 or something. Um, but they do count a house that's in a trust. Two things I want to say about that are that doesn't mean you shouldn't have your house in a trust for estate planning purposes. And it might be really helpful to have your house in the trust when we do the application if you don't have a lot of other assets because it counts. And so that your well spouse, the spouse who doesn't need care, might actually get to keep more money if your house is in the trust because we have ways to make all of that work. So don't go out and take your house out of the trust because we need it there for your estate plan. And it might work well for your Altex planning. Wait till you can talk to a professional before you do anything to move your house. And I would say the same about don't just add your kids on because you think somehow that protects your house. Like talk to a professional, understand what that means, figure out if that's going to help or hurt you. 
not just for all tax purposes, but for creditor protection or for later inheritance or tax basis. Like it, it, it impacts a lot of things. You think you're not doing an estate plan or tax planning, and you just did, even though you didn't know it. We have some other assets that are excluded from uh, benefits as well. So $1,500 worth of cash value of life insurance and regardless of the value, um, irrevocable plans that you've done at a mortuary. So if you want to pre-plan your funeral and it's going to cost you $10,000, but that plan is irrevocable, meaning it doesn't have any cash value, it's completely excluded for all tax purposes. Plus, just think of the, the load you've taken off of your family where they don't have to do the planning and they don't have to make sure there's enough money and they don't have to think about all of those horrible details after they've just lost you. So it's kind of a nice gift to give your family anyway, even though it's not super fun to walk into the mortuary. No, that can't be the funnest date night out, but that uh, that is a kind thing to do. Absolutely. Yeah, it's part of your planning. That's for sure. So one question that I see all the time with long-term care planning and all text planning is, all right, so I've got assets. I've got too many assets, right? I'm, I'm over the asset. Maybe I make the, I meet the income limit, but I don't meet the asset limit. Let me just transfer everything to an irrevocable trust for my kids. Let's just get it all out so then I can easily qualify for all text. But that's not really the case, is it? Yeah, terrific. So I think, uh, you know, people think about I'll just give everything away or I'll put it in a trust and I've spent all this money at the lawyer's office. So it's going to work really great for me. So Altex, because, again, it's a welfare program, you can't have a million dollars on Monday and give it all away on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, ask the state to help you pay for care. That's not fair. That's not why the program was set up. One of the major goals we have when we do planning is when we have a married couple is we're trying to take care of both spouses. I don't want to do to have one spouse pay all of their, their money to take care of their other spouse just because they want to, of course, but then I don't have any money to take care of the spouse who didn't get sick first. So, you know, the goal is to make sure that we have money to take care of both of the people. And the second is even with a single person, Altex doesn't cover everything. So it's not going to buy eyeglasses or hearing aids or do your dental care, buy you clothing, make sure you have a nicer blanket. You know, it doesn't pay for all that stuff. So the other purpose of doing planning is to do what we can to preserve some assets just to keep a better quality of life for people. If I couldn't get glasses, I wouldn't know who I was looking at ever. I couldn't read anything ever. I would just have to listen to the radio, I guess, because I couldn't see anything. So glasses to me are not just a basic, you know, they're they're really important. I need them and they would not be covered by Altex. They're not going to buy my eyeglasses. So for Altex purposes, if you give your money away to somebody else, Altex says, well, wait a second, you could have used that money for your care. And so if you give it away without value, which includes putting it in an irrevocable trust for your kids, which might warm your heart, but does not is not uh, equal compensation for the transfer that was made. Altex says, well, we have a right to know if you've made any of those transfers within 60 months of the date of the application. So people think of it as a five-year look-back period, but think of it as 60 months because it's not like five calendar years. It's literally 60 months from the date of the application. And it's just a disclosure window. So we have to say, hey, we gave this much away, whether you did it two minutes before the application or 59 months before you filed the application. We got to add all that stuff together to determine, okay, well now how long do you have to wait before you can be eligible? So every year, Altex figures out what they think the average cost of care is in the community. So this year for Maricopa County, it's about seven 
$7,300 a month is what Altex thinks it costs. So because I'm a lawyer and not a mathematician, I'll use super easy numbers. So if you gave away about $15,000 within any time within that 60-month period, again, doesn't matter whether you did it 59 months ago or two seconds before you filed the application, or you did it every single month, $1,000 a month for 15 months, but it's in that 60 months. It all just gets added together. And Altex says, thank you so much for applying. But we think, as I said, it would cost about $7,300 a month for care. We don't care what your care costs. We just come up with a number. That means you're not eligible for approximately two months because you could have used that money to cover your care expenses. So if you apply in January, you're not eligible in January, you're not eligible in February, and in March, we'll start helping you pay for care. Now, remember, your care might only cost $5,000 a month, or your care might cost $15,000 a month, but that penalty period is based on what the, the state comes up with, and the rural counties have their own number, and then the larger counties have their own number. And so again, Maricopa County is about $7,300 for this year. So that's what happens if you give your money away. And that might work great because you might have said, okay, I'm going to keep what I think it's going to cost me for five years for all my expenses, or I have a long-term care policy that's going to cover me for this number of months. And I'm just going to make sure that I keep enough to get me through the five years. And I'm going to give away all the rest of my money. And then at the end of five years, I'll have given my money away. I don't have to disclose that part. And now I qualify and my kids have this nice trust with all my money. I caution you, however, that it's hard to know how much you might need in the future. <laughs> we don't know if you're going to get sicker in the future. So we don't know what that cost might be. And the kids that you trusted with your money may not really be that trustworthy or they might get divorced if you didn't put it in a trust. And now it might be subject to their divorce or they get in an accident and now it was, you know, they have to pay out money to somebody else that was your money, but you gave it away and you can't get it back. And again, talking to a professional to make sure you're making decisions that don't have other terrible ramifications is a good plan. Because sometimes giving the money away is what makes perfect sense. But there's no one size fits all. I get a lot of calls from attorneys who think this is going to be the, the perfect way they're going to practice. They're going to do this kind of work going forward. That's what they want to do. And they say, Okay, so do you have like your special software that you just plug some numbers in and then it just tells us what to do so I know what the plan is? The answer is no. Oh, some no. Have, yeah, some people have a cabin. We got to deal with the cabin. That's, you know, we got that. Some people have a pension. Maybe they bought an annuity. I don't know. Does it have cash value? What happens if we cash it out? Is it in both names? Was it retirement money? Are we going to end up with tax penalties? Um, no, there's there's no cookie cutter for this kind of planning. You, you won't be able to find it on the internet or anywhere else of any value. Every single one, one of you are different. Everybody has different assets. Everybody's family dynamics are different. You trust this kid. You don't trust this kid. You don't like that in-law kid. So we've got to make a plan and look at what your assets are, what your family looks like and figure out what's going to work. Yeah. The only thing I've, I've learned from being a lawyer is everything is complicated. <laughs> That's that like the, the theme of my minute to minute life. That is absolutely true. Well, you, okay, so uh, R Rachel teed up this idea of just gifting everything away, which sounds like under many circumstances, although not every single one, that's probably not the best idea. So what are generally better ideas than that? 
Yeah. So sometimes you have stuff you need to buy. So we want to we want to make sure you have the things that you need. You know, as I said, prepaying for funeral cremation expenses makes a lot of sense. Um, Maybe you've been holding off on putting that new roof and the monsoons might someday get here and it might rain. And so maybe now's the perfect time to put the roof on the on the house. Um, Maybe it's time for a new car to trade in the car you have and get something that's a little bit more reliable to get around town. For married couples, I don't sell any financial products, but there are certain specific annuities that work really, really well. And for most cases, for our married couples, we can make sure that they retain almost all the assets they had before they came, you know, before they came to see us and still get help from the state. And I want to be clear, like we don't work with multi-million dollar clients. We're working with folks who, you know, are going to need some help. There isn't going to be enough money to take to take care of them. And if you have a long-term care insurance policy, hopefully it's enough to cover care because we see some really old ones where all it does is count as income for the Altex application. It doesn't actually cover enough of the expenses. And those are not really great policies. And I always feel terrible when I see them because they probably end up spending more in premium payments than what they're going to get at the other end. You know, if it doesn't have an inflation rider on it, I'm not sure it's all that useful because medical expenses go up very fast every single year. So again, I don't sell any financial products, but if you're looking at long-term care insurance, just make sure you're going to get a product that benefits you, that benefits your family, that's actually going to bring some um, relief financially to you. But, you know, doing planning is important and We sometimes do make gifts to the kids or we do make gifts to the kids and then set up a trust for the benefit of the kids. Um, And it just depends, you know, it depends on what the income level is of the person who needs to go on benefits and what their expenses are, because whatever that gap is in between is where we save, you know, the smaller the gap, the more money that we can save. And because Altex penalizes you on about $7,300 a month, well, if your shortfall is only like $2,000 a month, you you're, will be able to save quite a bit of money. Even if we've done a gift, you're saving about $5,000 a month in that gifted account. So different strategies kind of depending on what's going on for the for people. Are the buy a new car, put on the new roof uh, strategies boring to clients? Do they hear that and think, I thought you were going to come up with some like great idea that would just solve everything. You're telling me to do all these little things. Again, it just depends, right? So if we have a client who's got $200,000 and they're looking at care expenses of their spouse for $6,000 a month. And I say, how's the roof on your house? And they say, well, I have buckets all over the house. But other than that, it's great. I say, okay, well, maybe it makes sense to spend some money, spend a couple thousand dollars and know that you're going to be able to, to stay there. Or if you're going to sell it, you're going to get more for it because you just put that new roof on with the warranty. Also, people are really relieved. They think if they're going to go on Altex that they can't spend any of their money, that once they apply or once they're getting ready to apply, that that means they can't spend anything. They hear about this five-year look back and think that that means they can't spend any money on themselves and they're frozen. And so telling people, no, no, we're, we're not going to let Altex wag the dog here. So you, you need to buy the things you need to do that you've been waiting to replace if you have the money. Now, if you spend money, you don't get it back, right? So we don't want to just spend all of it and then you don't you still don't have enough money. Um, when we talk about these specific kind of annuities, people's faces light up like, oh, okay, I can move my money over here. I'm going to get it back over time. It's all going to be mine. And now I don't have that huge bill from the long-term care facility anymore and I can stay in my house 
and I'm going to be safe and I can take care of my spouse and I can take care of myself. So I've never had somebody tell me that their consult with me about all text planning was boring. Those are never the words. Sometimes they say my, my head is spinning. I need to think about this. I'm going to have to come back in with my three advisors so they can hear this again, so they can explain it to me again, but boring are not the words that I ever hear. No, it does not sound boring. Uh, sounds very complicated. Uh, and it sounds like you add a lot of value. Well, you mentioned uh, perhaps making gifts into a trust, but we've already talked about this 60-month look-back period, which sounds like it would be an issue if you put something into a trust. So how do you work around that issue? Yeah, so sometimes, as I said, we we know that we have enough of a cushion or a window, or some people have a good a good long-term care policy, and maybe it's going to last for three years, and we know there's enough money for the other two. And so the math is really kind of complicated for me to explain, but I'm going to do my best so you can see why sometimes gifting works. So if Altex penalizes you for $7,300 a month, and Let's say that the person has $1,000 a month of their own income and their actual care expenses are $5,000 a month. So what they need is $4,000 a month. So if they made, I hope I can do all this math in my head. I hadn't prepared for this. So we'll see how it goes. So they need $4,000 a month. They made a $14,000 transfer. Remember I talked about that's a two-month penalty. So in that gifted account, we gifted out of we gifted to the kids $14,000. In those two months, they only needed to spend eight, right? So the money that's left over is still in the gifted account. Two months later, we've saved that and now they're on Altex. So Sometimes uh, we're most of the time dealing with larger numbers than that, but it's just easier when you're listening to think about things in smaller yeah, increments, yeah, yeah. right? So that's a way that, you know, we could end up saving a fair amount of money because, again, even though the care expense might be 5000 a month, the person has Social Security or other some other income source that might be reducing the outflow. And even if they don't, we're still saving $2,300 a month. So in that gifted account, we'd have, what is that, almost $5,000 left in the account after the two months. And we just, that's a, you know, if the, the numbers are bigger, the savings are bigger. Now, if your care expenses are 10,000 a month and you have $1,000 a month of income, we're gonna have to come up with a different plan because then you're gonna end up, you know, having to spend even more. And so that gift isn't gonna work to save any money. What if I wanted to gift away assets to get my asset levels down? but I didn't want to lose access to those assets and I didn't want to put them in a, an expensive annuity policy to do so. Yeah. So if you, if the person who needs benefits has a right to the money, it's a counted resource. So if they have access to the money, if they're a beneficiary of the money, if they could on any way get access to their own money, then it's a counted resource. And while the annuity plan might be slightly expensive, if we figure you spent whatever, $3,000 on a commission for that annuity, again, not coming to me, I don't make any money off of this, but we've saved $300,000 that you otherwise would have had to spend down or your spouse would have had to spend down, that's a really easy trade-off. That, that doesn't give anybody any heartburn. I will say that people often think that gifting to their um, you know, religious organization or paying for somebody's wedding or paying for a kid's education is somehow not a gift. Those are all gifts. And even if you're making gifts underneath the gift tax exclusion amount of 15000 a year per person, that's still a gift for all tax purposes. You didn't have to report it for gift tax planning. 
You don't have to pay any tax on it. But for Altex planning, anything about over about $500 in a month is reportable and has the possibility of impacting when you'll be eligible. But that doesn't mean you can't give it away. It just means it might impact when you might be eligible. You give away $600, maybe you're not going to be eligible for three days. So, you know, it's not that you can't. Although I met with a client the other day who's making regular gifts. And I said to her, I guarantee that that charity will stay in business, whether you continue to give them money or not. But I cannot guarantee that you will be able to meet all of your own expenses if you continue to give to charity. So maybe you could back off on the charitable contributions take care of yourself, and then within your own plan, make a charitable gift as part of your estate plan. If you have money left over it, that would work out really well. Another question I get sometimes is, well, what happens if I'm on Medicaid, I'm on all tax benefits here in Arizona, but I want to move to a different state? Like what's, what impact is that going to have? There's no reciprocity. So if you move, you have to then qualify in the state you're moving to. If you made gifts and transfers, and they treat that differently and you're within that five-year window, you might end up with an outcome you had not anticipated and be back waiting for benefits. So if you're going to move between states and you're on benefits or you're thinking that you or a loved one are going to need benefits, you absolutely want to investigate what does that state cover? What are the eligibility criteria? What's the impact of planning that I'm doing in this other state? Because Medicare goes with you. It's a federal program move between the states, you get to keep your Medicare benefits, but Medicaid is not like that. You you may have to reapply. And it may be that that other state doesn't cover assisted living, and that's where you are living now. It only is going to cover nursing home care. So you just want to be really cognizant of what the impact might be if you move. And the other piece is your spouse can live in a different state. So we've had situations, particularly where it's not the first marriage, where the kids are local here in Arizona, maybe of dad, and the dad and mom or dad and stepmom have been living together for a long time, but stepmom wants to go live close to her kids who are in a different state, and dad needs Medicaid services here. And so he's going to get his Medicaid services in Arizona, even if stepmom moves out of the state. Um, but a residence is only excluded if it's in Arizona. So you can't exclude the house in another state and call that your residence. But I don't want, you know, people move around, people get divorced, people want to live closer to their kids when they get older. So all things you want to take into consideration if this is something that might be in your future. Yeah, absolutely. And those those state-to-state complications, I think, are things that um, a lot of people don't think about because it doesn't impact you when you're only in your one state and you might think that this is a federal program, but because it's a federal grant program where each state administers the federal money on their own, they get to call the shots 50 different ways and you just have to deal with it. And there's no way around it. Well, this is, uh, we could talk to you about this literally all night long. We would, but nobody would listen to us. So um, I think we'll have to pause there. I really appreciate uh, this. I hope it's been useful. It's been super educational for me. If people want to find you, Emily, where do they find you? Yeah, thank you again, both of you so much for the opportunity um, to be on this podcast with you and to allow me to blather on about what I feel passionate about and sit and listen to me. So thank you so much. So um, our phone number is 480 348 
1590 or info at and it's K-I-L-E, not K-Y-L-E, because I won't be able to find you if you make that K-Y-L-E. So again, thank you so much. Yeah, fair enough. And we'll we'll put your, your contact info in the notes of the show as well, so people will be able to find you there. Uh, again, cannot thank you enough, Emily. This was really, really a pleasure. Thanks again. Thank you so much. Hey, listeners. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Rachel and I both really appreciate it. We've really enjoyed doing the podcast. We're trying to do our best work and bring you valuable and useful information. And I hope you feel the same way. And if so, please subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, uh, subscribe to our blog if you want to follow us and see the sort of things that we write about. And also follow us on social media at Wealth and Law, basically everywhere that social media is. Thanks so much.